Well, they're not scared of you. They're scared of what you represent to them. Amen. Oh, we represent to them, man, as somebody who needs a haircut. Oh, no. What you represent to them is freedom. What the hell's wrong with freedom, man? That's what it's all about. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it's all about. Just what is it that you want to do? You want to be free to ride. You want to be free to ride on machines without being hassled by the man. All right, welcome to Chopper Profits. I'm your host, Mike, and tonight I have uh, someone who I have gotten to know over the last, I would say, probably month, month and a half, just via text messaging and Instagram, and uh, I know it may seem like I have this uh, affinity towards the death science guys, and I kind of do, because let's just face it, they're a bunch of sexy guys, and they ride choppers, and they're all very talented especially uh, Daniel Thomas, who we have on the show tonight. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thanks. I'm glad that uh, we could finally get you on. I know between uh, daddy duties, and I use the same excuse with Matt, uh, that uh, you know you got to take care of family first, and uh, you're also a busy guy. Um, sounds like you got a lot of projects going on. So um, I'm glad we were finally able to, to hook up. Yeah, absolutely. Um. You are, I believe, you're you're in the Raleigh area, North Carolina. Yeah, that's right. That's that correct. Right. And um, you are associated with, as far as I know, Death Science, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I am, uh, I guess, fully patched in. So uh, yeah, right around with Billy, Matt, Tim, and all these cool guys. Yeah, are you? Um, wh- where would you say your rank falls? Are you Sergeant at Arms? Are you? I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. Um, all right. Well, let's let's dive into the interview um, because I have a feeling that there's a lot more to Daniel Thomas uh, than than I have got to know yet through again through text messaging and and just the few conversations we've had. But um, I've seen your work, and I think other people have seen your work. Uh, and if you'd like to see Daniel's work before we get this going, maybe you can watch it while you're listening to the interview. Uh, you can go to www.deathscience.com and I think he has some work up there as well as www.showclassmag.com uh, you'll you'll see his videos and once you see one you'll be able to uh, see the style his style in all the other ones very unique um, what Daniel turned you on to uh, the passion of filming photography movies because you definitely have an affinity towards it. Um, well, it's a weird story because uh, I'm not a guy who was even allowed to watch movies as a kid. Hmm. Um, I grew up in a uh, in about the most strict uh, household you could imagine. Um, my dad was a Baptist minister, and uh, for a long time we weren't even allowed to have a television because apparently that was of the devil. Hmm. So... Uh, I grew up, basically, uh, my parents homeschooled me, so I wasn't even allowed to uh, go to school with other kids. So I grew up uh, in the country, uh, eastern North Carolina, and um, basically surrounded by soybean and tobacco fields. And I grew up uh, with motorcycles and with four-wheelers, so in a way it was cool. It fits my personality. I'm, I'm definitely a loner by nature, so I was allowed to just 
you know, take the dirt bike, take the four-wheeler out, and just go exploring in the woods all day. When I got done with my uh, schoolwork, which I would always knock that out by around 10, 30, or 11, and uh, I'd be gone all day on the bike. And uh, so, I mean, that was kind of my first, my first love was a motorcycle. I mean, my earliest memory is my dad, you know, for all his faults, he is one of the most mechanically inclined people I know. And uh, he always had me on a bike, you know, from the time I was three years old. So uh, that was what developed my first passion, which was motorcycles and, and ATVs and, you know, old cars. Um, the movies came later. Um, that was, we finally got a computer when I was um, around 10, 10 years old, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And me being the, the little hacker that I was, rigged <laughs> it up where it would... Uh, it would get over the air channels. So, uh, Sunday afternoon, my mom and my dad, they would go to sleep because, uh, we went to church from like eight o'clock to 12 o'clock. And then you go home and then you had choir practice at four thirty, and you'd stay till eight thirty. So I mean, it was an all day affair. Wow. But anyway, I, yeah, it was. And then Wednesday night and then you had to go, you know, pass out tracks. And it was, uh, it was an interesting upbringing, but, mm. um, but anyway, so, Sunday afternoon, they'd go sleep, and I remember I rigged this computer monitor that we had where it would go over the air channels. And I didn't tell my parents, but you know, I rigged it up somehow with some string antenna. And um, the what I got on Sunday afternoon were Sergio Leone uh, spaghetti westerns. That was the first movie I ever saw. That's awesome. From, yeah, and that's that's what that's the first thing I saw. Uh, fiscal dollars for a few dollars more and be good in the bad and the ugly. Every Sunday, one of those would play from this furniture store that would sponsor movies hmm. um, in Eastern North Carolina. So, I mean, I watched those movies over and over and over again. And finally, when I was a little older, I guess uh, TV wasn't of the devil anymore. <laughs> and we were allowed to get one. And uh, I had a friend whose parents weren't like my parents. And, he had every movie known to man, so we would go over there, and I watched uh, just about every movie he had, um, and and that was pretty much it. I mean, I just fell in love with films, and had the opportunity to work in a film studio in France when I was in college, and wow. um, it was a studio that did uh, they did take in and the professional. Uh, it's called Europa Corp. Okay. And my mom is French, so that's why I was over there studying. And um, anyway, I, I started out, you know, getting coffee and BS like that. And by the end of it, you know, I was doing first unit stuff um, on film, digital. was kind of making inroads, but still not yet. And then I uh, came over here, and the price of cameras dropped, and I bought one. And uh, pretty much it. I, I do a lot of stuff around here with film and but death science is definitely the uh, the fun part. Stuff for show class. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you this a little bit. Let's back up. Um, so, from the perspective of growing up, it, you were saying that you grew up um, definitely um, was it not really near town, so you had some space to kind of run. Yeah, yeah, definitely out in the country. I mean, uh, at one point. It was a dirt road into our neighborhood, and nothing was being tobacco fields around. It's different now, but back then there was there was there was way out in the country. So you had you had this opportunity to break away from your your parents and kind of and, and not necessarily in a bad way. I just mean you were able to get away from the house. You were able to um, get out in nature. Um, tell me 
tell me a little bit, let's back up to that spot and tell me a little bit about what that was like for you as a kid. I'm guessing you said you were uh, somewhere between the ages of 9 and 12, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, it was the exact opposite of my life because my life was uh, regimented in rules. And, you know, I wasn't even allowed to wear shorts in the summer. That's crazy my parents were. And I don't know if you've ever been to eastern North Carolina in the oh, summertime, yeah. but it's ridiculously hot. I yeah. mean, it's like 100 degrees and, and humid. So, I mean, that's how kind of strict and crazy Baptists they were. Um, cult white, whatever you want to call it. But anyway... <laughs> um, so me getting away was just freedom from that. I mean, total, you know, it, in a weird way, it's bizarre because I would never let my children do this. Um, sure. I have two daughters, and they say, oh, you know, Dad, I'm going out in the woods, and I'll be back at 9 o'clock tonight. I mean, there's, there's no way. But <laughs> the that's hell what you I did. are. <laughs> if there was a full moon out, I could stay out till like 11. I mean, it yeah. was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. So. Do, you, do you think that, um, I guess this is the question I was driving at before, um, but do you think the beauty of of nature has influenced the way that you uh, see filmmaking or the things that you conceive in your mind? Because I've seen the stuff you do and, and have done, and to me, there's a you know, with without getting into uh, too technical of how you do it, it's there's a lot of beauty. There's just simplicity and beauty in your work, and that's probably one of the first things I noticed and and now that you tell me or you've mentioned about uh, you know spending time in France and working in the studio and then also this time that you had to get away and kind of be out in nature um, I wonder how heavily that that influenced that in, in your kind of in your creativity process I think I mean it, definitely so I mean it, in many ways I like animals a lot more than people I know it's bizarre sometimes but you know out where I was um, and I don't know I mean a lot of it you know you looked at a like a Terrence Malick film and you know it's almost like poetry mm-hmm. and I, those heavily influenced me I mean I think Malick is a genius and and then you look at like a Stanley Kubrick like film who it's kind of a different approach to nature. It's kind of more mechanical. So, I don't know. I mean, I see beauty in it and danger. And, and for me, it's just really filming is how can you tell a story where people are going to you know, give a shit? Because yeah. everything is so oversaturated now. YouTube, every, you know, everybody's got a camera. Everybody's making a film. And most of them are they're just junk. I mean, I don't care to watch them because they don't take the time to make you care about somebody. And that's what I try to do is make people care about the person and then show the story, you know, tell the story of that person. And hopefully it, it turns out well. But I get that. Um, definitely from the videos. Again, if you haven't seen Daniel's work, um, find Daniel Thomas on uh, Vimeo. I think that's the way you pronounce that site. That's what I've always called it. Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O. Daniel's got a channel on there and you can see all the works uh, that he's done uh, to date that he's released. Um, And if you're like me, you'll probably leave it on couch mode and just go from video to video to video. (laughs) Um, But Daniel, (laughs) no, no problem. It's the truth, man. I, um, I, also look for stuff uh, in music and in uh, movies when I'm not just simply looking to be entertained. I look for that passion, um, something that tells a story or that can pull on you emotionally. 
and um, I see that in your work. Um, you've, you've kind of already talked about your childhood growing up, um, but you hit on something, and I was I kind of wanted to see if you'd talk about it a little bit more. Um, you said your dad was super or is super mechanically inclined and, and kind of uh, helped you develop your love for motorcycles and mechanical things. You, you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I always grew up, and he had a, I think it was a 78 shovel head around, and, you know, we would go to, we had a triple-A baseball team when I was a kid, and we would always go to the baseball games, and I just, my memories are on the back of that motorcycle. It vibrated so bad, your ass would be itching so bad by the time you got to the baseball game, you'd stand up and we're like a maniac scratching it. But, I mean, I was always around motorcycles. And my dad was a minister, but in a, in a way, he always hung out with kind of the MCs around eastern North Carolina. I think back then there was the, the Ghost Riders MC. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where they are or what they're doing now. I think maybe they were affiliated with the Outlaws back then, which now it's kind of angels territory or whatever, but I yeah. don't really get that far into it. But I, I just know, you know, from what the old-timers would tell me, that. Uh, a lot of my dad's friends were part of that club. So, hmm. you know, I remember them being over. I remember all the old bikes. And, you know, like I said, I was always on a dirt bike. But, you know, I could ride my dad's bike. And, you know, he bought a, a Honda Magna, which kind of became mine when I was about 15. Mm-hmm. So I rode that and uh, loved it. And that's really the bike that I really learned to ride on the street on. Although uh, street riding, I think, is a lot safer than dirt bike. <laughs> right. I nearly killed myself on a dirt bike multiple times. So. I, I have a few friends who ride dirt and um, yeah, it, uh, a good friend of mine actually at work, uh, I think it was about a year ago, he went out for a trip, came back in with, you know, cast on and so what happened to you, man? <laughs> it's wide yeah. open, wide open across the desert and hit something that I shouldn't have. Um, what a, what a juxtaposition, juxtap- gosh, I can't say that word, juxtaposition (laughs) uh, of your uh your dad and what you were describing as being you know a baptist um minister and your parents but then yet hanging out with you know these clubs and and having friends that were in outlaw clubs that's that's a really interesting picture well i mean my dad's he's an interesting guy i think we've kind of bury the hatchet on a lot of stuff and the older you get you just let stuff go I mean you can't hold grudges and you know if the guy's a great granddad he's a great granddad some people are more cut out for that than fatherhood which is my suspicion of him I mean dad's 24-7 and not everybody's cut out for that that's hard work but you know um, yeah I mean he was crazy I mean I remember one time when he was a minister he he got arrested for pulling a gun on an undercover cop I mean he just (laughs) He was always doing something, man. I mean, he was, he's a crazy dude, what can I say? <laughs> Freezing the name of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is awesome. It sounds like he's got a great character and that, that he definitely... Um... He's a wild dude. I mean, if, if if I ever finish these scripts I'm working on, I mean, he could definitely fit in as a character. I mean, he's, he's, he's a wild man. That's awesome. I know we talked about that um, a couple weeks ago. We had a, a quick phone call, and you were um, you were telling me a little bit about some stuff you're working on. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about that um, before we go into your family. I, I'd love to to hear a little bit about your family too. But um, you, so you've got some stuff in the works. You're 
what are your goals like now for for film and for writing and uh, how does that how is that manifesting itself now where you're at in life um well a lot of it when i started out i have other businesses that support me so film was never a way to support my family um it was just something i always did on the side and uh, I kind of hooked up with the local Harley dealership here, which I, you know, sometimes dealership gets a bad rap, but these guys are, they're wonderful. I mean, they, they do what they say. They pay their bills on time and they're just a dream to work for here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Price, Harley and Raleigh. And um, that video got a lot of views and they got some calls about it. And I, I guess the end goal is I never wanted to get trapped in this life of just doing boring corporate videos. I only mm-hmm. wanted to do stuff that I wanted to do. So, um, you know, I like sports. Uh, right now I'm working on something with uh, a football team here, Division One. They want me to document their whole season. So um, we're talking to a network maybe about that airing. Uh, but the ultimate goal is, is feature films. Mm-hmm. And everything is a means to an end. I mean, you kind of have to show people nowadays that you're a jack-of-all-trades and um, you know, I remember David Fincher, I was watching uh, Fight Club the other mm-hmm. night, and he, he made a great point. He said, you know, a lot of the jobs that he took as a commercial director was just to, to keep his skills sharp and, and work with the toys. And that's that's how I kind of feel sometimes. I mean, you definitely need to, excuse me, um, keep filming. I mean, just, just practice at it and work at it. And I hate filming. I can't stand actually operating the camera, but... You know, I'd much rather direct and have an operator, but, you know, it's not feasible right now, and you learn things, but um, feature film is is the ultimate goal, and I'm working towards that and hope to either um, raise the money myself uh, late this year and early next year and and start filming something. Mm -hmm. Now, without, because I'm sure, first of all, I don't want to push you to to talk about it because I know it's uh, something you probably don't want to talk about yet. And, um, but is there, could you give us a clue as to maybe the theme to what that project would be like? Yeah. I mean, I'm always, I'm, I'm very drawn to, you know, David Fisher's work and, and things kind of the darker narratives because, mm-hmm. um, he made a great point one time. He said he's more interested in films that scar. And, and I like that, too. I mean, the worst thing you can do is be forgettable in mm-hmm. film. I watched a lot of films with my wife, and, like, we watched um, No Country for Old Men the other day. Mm-hmm. And she didn't like it, but she made a comment. She said, well, it's not forgettable. And to me, that means the Coens did their job. I mean, right. she may not have liked it, but she'll always remember that movie. And so it's just about a couple things. I mean, either I'm going to shoot a TV pilot and try to sell to a network Mm -hmm. um, or Netflix or iTunes because nowadays, I mean, the distribution model, if you can get it on Netflix, you're you're fine. Or, um, you know, working on a feature film, which I've always been, I've always been interested in the idea of um, what people are capable of under certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know I would turn into a maniac if somebody touched my child. Sure. I mean, I, I'd, you know, probably black out with rage or something. So You and me but both, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just this primal instinct. So that's kind of, the film touches on that kind of, you know, supposedly normal, or this guy who thinks he's normal uh, gets put in a, a situation and, 
you know, what you'd have to do to survive that. So. Hmm. Interesting. I really, I mean, I, I hope to have many private conversations with you so that I can find out more about that. But from a, a, a public standpoint, I would, I really hope that that, uh, that comes to fruition and it's something that uh, we all get to review and talk about on Netflix or Vudu or, you know, Xbox movies or whatever. That would be awesome. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I, I feel like I know the right players. I mean, I have an agent. I don't have an agent, but I've been told, you know, hey, when you're ready to do this, let me know and, and I'll help you by, by a guy who has, you know, he's got offices in New York and L.A. So, I mean, we'll see where it goes. Right. And that's all. I mean, you know, the best we can do is, is lay the plans and uh, know where you want to go and do the work to get there. And, and the rest is uh, kind of to see where it falls, you know. But you definitely have the yeah. talent for sure. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. You, you, you mentioned uh, your family, you know, if anyone touched your kids. So um, I know you have your, your wife and is it two kids? Yeah, yeah, two daughters. So your two daughters, that's right. Um, how does, so let, let's talk, let's put motorcycles back in the, the mix. How does riding motorcycles, uh, filming, whether it be uh, corporate commercial stuff, and then editing and doing all that work, how does that work into family life for you? I mean, how do you balance your time? Well, uh, fortunately, I mean, for the past year, I've been able to kind of be my own boss. And um, my other job, uh, it's construction-based. So, you know, if you're willing to do the labor, you can get in and get out and kind of set your own hours. So mm-hmm. either, um, you know, I'll work during the day or, you know, I'll put the kids to bed and, and my wife's a school teacher, so she gets up really early and goes to bed early, and I'll just work all night. I mean, I'm a night owl, so, you know, mm-hmm. right now it's 1 o'clock here, and I'm editing something, and I'll probably be up till 4 editing. So that's kind of, this is my time. Nobody bothers me. <laughs> Have you, you find, um, I think we talked before, uh, how old are you again about this? We, we talked. Uh, thir- 33. 33, okay. See, I'm a few years ahead of you, and man, right about your age, I found out that I could not stay up consecutive nights in a row until, you know, two in the morning. And I, I was just blasted after, you know, a couple of days. I felt like I'd had the flu or been hit by a train. Whereas, you know, a few years prior, um, I'm all around the country touring and, you know, sleeping in a van. It was a, it's a weird change to get older. Yeah. So how do you, everybody tells me it's coming? Yeah, it's just a matter of time, man. <laughs> well, how do you um, how how do you combat that? I mean, you're gonna wake up in the morning. Your your wife goes off to work early, obviously, because she's a school teacher. And then your kids, do they go to school? Do they stay with you? Uh, it depends. I mean, they they go to a uh, elementary, not, not elementary, a preschool. So mm-hmm. you know, my wife normally takes them, or I'll take them. You know. Okay. So you you don't just go to bed at four. I mean, you're you're gonna go to sleep at four, but then have to be up in a couple hours to take them to school. Uh, well, not every day. I don't know if I could survive <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow or not. So I'm staying up till four. I think you know the days you've got to get up early. You, know, you might knock it off at one or something. Got it. Um, I've been known to get on a you know the film marathon and, and go all night for that too. So. <laughs> if. Uh, if I can shift gears here, because um, I understand what it's like to be a dad, I understand what it's like to be a married man, and to love motorcycles and to have passions. Um, let's move into an area where 
you know, this is always, there's always a unique answer to this question when I ask it, but um, it's definitely dark. So to date, what is the worst situation that you've had to deal with in your life? What's the, the worst scenario? Um, I don't know any other way to word that other than what's the worst thing that you've had to deal with? I haven't had to deal with much much bad stuff. I guess maybe early on, I was uh, I used to put a lot of stock in the job that I had, and and early on, like about four years ago, I got fired from the job that just took me out of the hit me out of the door. Like I, said, I wasn't expecting it, and I actually made the company decent money, and I thought, you know. You're protected. So, I mean, in a way that was bad, but in a way it was good because it opened my eyes where you've always got to be self-sufficient and nobody owes you anything and, you know, they're going to do what's best for them in every situation. So that kind of launched me uh, taking steps to protect myself through things that I own and and whatnot. So, I mean, at the time, yeah, it was was bad and it was probably the worst situation I went through because you question yourself and you feel like you're a failure and whatnot. But in the end, it actually worked out for the best. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to... uh, I can't wait to get really successful and then send the owner of that company a really nasty letter. (laughs) I had a feeling you were going to go there. It's... uh, it's it's kind of one of those things where it sounds like you really, it took the air out of your sail or the wind out of your sails. And, um, but yeah, at the same time, I made this guy a lot of money and, mm. you know, he had actually had me come film for him the week before his daughter's wedding. And he, I would never forget this. And if I see him, I'll probably slap him. I'll punch him because <laughs> that'll leave a mark. If I could slap him, yeah. you can get away with a slap. Yeah. There's nothing worse than a man being slapped and just emasculate the fuck out of him. But anyway, um, when you tell him, a little bit of anger. <laughs> uh, he, he had me confirm his daughter's wedding, and I'll never forget the word to you. This is a week before he fired me. He said, I'm, he said, yeah, man, be sure to uh, to give me a good rate, you know, because we're buds. And, and I was like, yeah, okay, man. So I cut him a deal for filming. Mm-hmm. And then the very next week, you know, he called me off. I remember I wanted to launch myself to kill him, but uh, anyway, I, I it actually worked out for the best. But and you can't still, can't hold on to can't hold on to grudges forever, right? Yeah, I don't know. I think that grudge will be over when I can slap him. So maybe <laughs> I just need to find him and slap him, and it'll be over. <laughs> just get a white glove, go find him, and smack. Yeah, or just punch in the stomach. That doesn't leave a mark here. That's true. That's true. And as long as nobody saw it, and and I'll just. Yeah, but also, if, if we have been the person, just me and him are out. I kind of, you cut out there for the last, uh, that last phase or phrase that you said. Do you have to, you have to say it again so oh. I can include it in there? Maybe maybe I should leave that off. I'll just let it <laughs> Maybe it's better that we didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, well, let's let's uh, before I move on to because I have one more question I want to ask you, but I want to save that one for the very end. I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, motorcycles. Uh, you are currently riding what? I've got a 2010 Dyna currently, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
in the next month or so, once I finish a job or two, I will buy um, Billy's Evo Chopper, which is what I plan to ride to Born Free this year. Awesome. And that's a, it's an Evo Sportster chop? Yeah, Evo Sportster chop, 883. I'm going to get it punched up to 1200. Awesome. And uh, Billy, I think, uh, yeah, he's got his 74 shovel dialed in, so um, he's ready to offload his chop. So I'll grab that, and I don't know what I'm going to do with the Dyna, maybe keep it, maybe let it go, but I don't know. I like I like Dynas. I'm quite partial to them. Yeah. I like swing arms, so I may just keep it, and, uh, you know, we'll just add the two. Keep it as a daily rider. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of yeah. going the other way. Well, I guess maybe we're going the same way because I have a daily rider that I ride uh, literally every day to work. It's the only vehicle I have, but I, I long for a chopper to cut on, and you know, it's got It's going to have to be a rigid. Like, I don't want it to look beautiful. I just want it to roar and be a hardtail. That's all I care about. <laughs> Yeah, which I tell you, my dream bike right now, I mean, I love Billy's Child, and I've always loved his bike. Mm-hmm. I've always, from the first time I saw that bike, I rode it on the uh, Revenge Run last year, because mm-hmm. I think that's when Billy and I kind of, I don't know, got close, because I was like, wow, this dude barely knows me, and he's going to let me ride his bike, because um, I've been filming the whole time, and, and uh, I just wanted to ride, mm-hmm. and I think you guys knew that, so Billy's like, yeah, just ride my bike, but um, Tim has a... Uh, Tim has a bagger that is just killer. It's a shovel head, and uh, that's my dream bike. He's like he's got it all outfitted like a cop bike, you know. Nice. And uh, it's got the hard bags and everything. And I'm like, man, you know, I could put all my camera equipment in that, drive around, film, and it would be perfect. So absolutely, that is yeah, that's kind that's of the down the road. Go ahead. Uh, that's down the road, hopefully. Yeah, right. That's kind of the downside about uh, a chopper or if you're not, you know, rolling any bags or anything. Like, I I don't have any bags that I roll every day. Um, if I do want to take something with me, it's usually in a backpack or I have to strap it to the my sissy bar. And it looks yeah. pretty ridiculous when you're hauling around a backpack on your back. But um, uh, Try having a tripod strapped to your handlebars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I've done that plenty of times. But yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. So Right. And I would I would imagine you haven't fully lived until you have a tripod open or extend upon your handlebars while you're riding. <laughs> that hasn't happened, but I did have a uh one of those light light bounce, uh, you know, the shiny things that used to bounce light and so yeah, that came fully undone while I was driving down the road one time so it was like wow. a parachute right in the face of all <laughs> <laughs> I um yeah, we'll have to talk offline. I'll tell you a story about me on the freeway in a plastic bag. It'll never happen in a million in a million years it'll never happen again. Um I've seen Billy's chop uh because recently within the last uh, I don't know month or so, you uploaded a series of photos where you guys went and um you went out for a ride and I think Billy was yeah. on his shovel and you were riding yeah. his chop. You guys had kind of a unique experience. You want to tell us a little bit about that? I know there's there's a little write up on it because you kind of narrated it, but tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's just one of those adventures you get into with bikes, which you know, uh, the first uh, you know happened to me before in West Virginia, where we went to this supposed campground that Google said was there and it wasn't, and uh, you know, me and my buddies ended up sleeping in the Seven uh, Eleven owner's horse barn, which was crazy. I mean, we still talk about that story, but uh, with Billy. 
I was behind him and uh, saw something bounce off his bike, hit me in the leg. I knew it was metal because uh, it hurt like hell. So, you know, flagged him down and we pulled into the next stop, uh, which happened to be one of those really seedy massage parlors that you see beside the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, <laughs> the owner came out with this old man with a cane and invited us in and whatnot. And uh, we declined his offer to, to come inside and warm up. But uh, I, we got Billy, uh, got him all sorted with the new bolt and left and uh, didn't partake. And uh, as Billy says, toothless Tina's a sandpaper massage. But, <laughs> <laughs> that absolutely sounds like something you would say. Yeah. <laughs> Two plus Tina. Um, what, so speaking of adventures, then what would, if you had to pick one adventure, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be with Billy, but what is the craziest thing you've done on a bike? And not just stunt-wise or, you know, like surfing your bikes, because I know you do that, but just scenario-wise, other than sleeping in the Seven Eleven owner's barn, uh, have you had any other crazy misadventures? Um, I, I think probably my West Virginia trip was my most fun just because it was the wildest. I mean, I remember that was the that was the last trip that I didn't take a gun on because I woke up in the middle of the night and there were coyotes. And I had this on film, actually, one of those little flip videos that I used to have. Mm-hmm. But uh, coyotes had circled our, it was me and my father-in-law. And um, he rides a Sportster, and we were up there, and coyotes had circled, and were just growling and howling, and you know, I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, when they wow. got stormed to the spin, you know, you don't know. So, I mean, that was really wild. And then the next day, we went down into um, uh, they have this huge bridge in West Virginia, and I forget the name of it now, but it's just it's massive. We went down into the, um, I guess, the valley below. And we should have had a clue when there was nothing but four by four vehicles down there. But you know, being the dumbasses that we are, we went on Harley's, and uh, <laughs> it was—I mean, we were talking about wooden bridges and you know, blown-out roads with dirt all over them. I mean, it was pretty crazy to get back up the other side. So, so far, that's the wildest thing I've ever you know Harley. And that was in West Virginia. Yeah, yeah, a great trip. Though. I mean, honestly, if if anyone has not ridden up there, I highly recommend it. Great roads, uh, really great roads, and just kind of a feeling of wildness, you know, not tamed, which I love. Hmm. Yeah, I've been, I've driven through West Virginia. I've driven through just about every state, but um, there are definitely a few like that that I, at some point, I'd like to get back to and revisit them on two wheels versus four. Yeah. Um. So, uh, <laughs> let's talk about your role in death science as l- literally you're like the, uh, what do they call it? The, um, I don't want to say the videographer, but you're like the, the chronicler. Yeah. I was going to say the chronicler, someone who's been chronicling. Oh, all like, the videos that people have never even seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when you when you guys posted the uh, or when you posted rather the the party over the summer, uh, the barbecue. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I've laughed that hard in a very long time. Well, that's interesting because I was getting messages from people who may have opened up a little bit while they were uh, inebriated, saying, uh, "You know, do you have this on film?" And I had to write back, "Yes, I have your nuts on film." And <laughs> no, I can't put it on Vimeo because I will get kicked off. Yeah. However, I will record you a DVD for private viewing if you like. Yeah, 
Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, the guys from Virginia came down who I love, and uh, you know they're big pranksters. And uh, mm-hmm. the best line from that party was, "Hey man, if you give us the rest of your beer, we won't rape your women." And that was at the river, and uh, it was these kind of yuppies that had come down on tubes, and they round the bend in the river, and you can just see their face like, "Holy shit!" There's 40 bikers, you know, in the water. What do we do? <laughs> so they get out, and they had a cooler of beer. And Norton, one of the crazy dudes from Virginia, you know, he yells out, hey, man, you give us the rest of that beer, we won't rape your women. And, uh, I mean, the dude turned totally white, and I was just dying laughing so hard. I've never laughed at in my life. I don't have that on film. I, well, I kind of do, but it's not really... I didn't want to put that out there. Yeah, no, I hear you. I was yeah. going to say, I don't remember. Joke, and I don't think some people would have gotten it, but yeah, it was quite funny. <laughs> That's awesome. I I did like well. First of all, I loved the flow of that video, um, and I know I'm pretty sure it happened exactly that way too. Because I know it's hot back there. I know it gets humid, and I could see with all great intentions. You know, we're throwing this barbecue, and then everyone's burned by you know an hour into the barbecue because they're so freaking tired. And then you head down to the river and spend the rest of the day at the river. That sounds yeah, yeah it was a blast. It that was, sounds that's like exactly the best time. What um. Tell us a little. Tell me a little bit about uh, Billy's fun time on the the quad, uh, machine gunning the crowd with with rocks. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> I mean, you know, that started a damn riot because, like I said, I mean, you know, like Tim said on the video, I I really think Billy thought everyone was going to be stoked on him doing it, and uh, I mean, he was like, if you watched, I've got other footage where you know guys are trying to shield their girls from the rocks because you know they were in bathing suits or whatever. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's crazy, but um, it was quite funny. I mean, I look back on it now and laugh, but at the time, I know Matt had you know he threw something into it, but uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> it's funny because after talking with Billy when he was out here, I, me and him connected because when I watch him and Tim and Matt, especially in that video, and they're in the garage talking, or they're in the the, uh, the lab talking, and they're giving Billy a hard time about uh, loving to be pissed on. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, Which is not true, by the way. It's I know. that started when the cameras came on. I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> well, that's, that's the beauty of it, is that I know exactly how Billy feels, because that's me. Like, that was me yeah. in my early 30s or my late 20s in the guys, that, you know, groups of guys that I would hang out with. They would, uh, they just, I don't know, maybe I just because I didn't care and I just took it, but my heart went out to them and I, Billy and I had a great time talking about all that stuff. It was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, Billy, Billy's one, I mean, if you need some somebody to come pick you up in the middle of the night because you broke down or something, I mean, he's just, he'll do it. I mean, and all the guys will do that. I mean, yeah. just, you know. I've had a situation where I needed help in a driving rainstorm with lightning and thunder, and I'm taking down metal poles. True story. Tim, hmm. Matt, and Billy, they all came out. So. Wow. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> metal, poles, and lightning. Not a good scenario. Yeah. I, I kind of get that from, from Matt as well. Um, I haven't had a chance yet to talk with Tim, um, but we we definitely have emailed back and forth, so we're going to... We're gonna we're gonna talk at some point, and uh, but I already get that from him that uh, it's not just death science. It's again, it's you guys, and um, your I think your hearts are just that way. You know, you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna leave somebody stranded, regardless if they're your brother or not. 
No, no, and that's the whole premise of the revenge run. You know, it's a no man left behind because I know, you know, Tim and Matt were on a run one time, and I think Tim's bike broke down, and everybody's like, "Oh well, see you later." I mean, it's mean, just, you know, kind of left to your own. So it's a little different mindset, you know, with the revenge run and things like that. One year, I am going to make it out there. I've I told my wife. Uh, it's beautiful, man. Beautiful. I re- I really want to make that run before it either gets too huge or goes away i know there's the this it's kind of weird you know the whole reason we're doing this podcast um is to is to shine the spotlight kind of on the people within the chopper culture but i know that at some point um you know chopper culture will get so big that it'll be uh the norm i guess if you will maybe and um i hope that it never loses uh the true the people, the true people that make it what it is, uh, folks like you well, guys. I think, you know, you're gonna have, a, I think, a lot of people fall off, you know, into it for being a fad. I mean, you know, I have a newer bike, yeah, but I mean, I grew up on bikes. I love bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would build bikes and make moves all day if that was what I could do. But you know, a lot of people, I don't know. I mean, it, it's cool that people come to bikes, but I think a lot of people just want to look cool on a bike. Yeah, and, you know, don't really know how to ride, so they'll fall off. You know, so. <laughs> literally, probably twice. First, yeah, yeah. first off the bike, and then off out of the scene. Um, well, let's. You know, let me ask you that that last question now, because I think um, it's uh, it may be appropriate. What is? Um, and again, I've had various answers to this, uh, but I'm always curious. What's the best thing? Uh, or experience that you've had to date in your life as a man? I'd say probably being a dad. I mean, I know it's really cliche, but I raised my children a lot different than the way I was raised. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, just being a dad, man, just walking through the door and, you know, you've been out all night sawing concrete, you know, at a parking garage and, you know, you're covered in epoxy or, you know, whatever whatever, you know, business is called for the night before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you walk through the door and the little girls try to race each other to, you know, jump on you. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the best thing in the world, man. That is the best thing in the world. Man, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Daniel. Um, I'm looking forward to Born Free 5, which uh, yeah. now that I've... Right. Now that I've said Born Free Five, I'm going to have to definitely put your interview before Born Free Five. <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys before. Uh, there's the show class People's, People's Choice Party um, yeah, the, the day before. And um, mm-hmm. if you have not bought your tickets for Born Free Five, make sure you visit Lowbrow Customs. Uh, look them up and uh, get on the website and order your tickets. And also, then be on the lookout for for Daniel probably in the in the near future filming his feature film and uh, if you ever need an extra man I'm right here I'm fully tattooed <laughs> I look the part well, in the meantime yeah I mean in the meantime you know I've got Revenge Run coming up which uh you know we're gonna do a film about that and then uh we're gonna film our ride out to Born Free from uh the the ocean here in North Carolina all the way to the ocean in California so uh both of those will be uh will be on tap and, and up at you know showclassmag.com and death signs. So. That will be awesome. I've driven from I in fact we have signs from 
uh, California from the beach all the way to Cape Fear. And uh, oh, nice. it's a nice, it's a, it's a hell of a drive. It sucks in a car, but it'll be an awesome video to watch uh, via two wheels. So again, Daniel, thank you for your time. Um, I, I wish you the best of luck in, in all your endeavors. And uh, I know that we're going to keep in touch. This won't be the last time we talk. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it, Michael. Thanks, man. All right. You've been listening to Chopper Profits and our guest tonight was Daniel Thomas. You can again, find his work at www.showclassmag.com or also deathscience.com. And uh, take care, Daniel. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you later, man.